Oh, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. Wherever you are, wherever you may be listening, I want to thank you for making me and this show part of your day, whether it be via SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, WCETFM Radio Network on LateNightInTheMidlands.com. I want to thank you. SF for making me in the show part of your day. Host Daryl D. Lane is always being recorded from Sunnyside Studios and Murphy Hall, John Carroll University. Great show for you today. Got a lot of great stuff going on. First, and the thing I want to talk about most, I want to give a congratulations, a little round of applause for my man Jordan Nora, a small forward out of Louisville. Won uh, ACC Most Improved Player of the Year. I believe he averaged 17 points per game. He just declared for the NBA draft, but I believe it's just feelers at this point. I think he's going to wait to see what scouts, uh, GMs, and coaches think of him. And then whether it depends what his grade is, if he's going to be a lottery pick, a top five pick, or a second round pick, or a first round pick, it'll decide whether he will fully enter the NBA draft, right? So I want to give a congratulations to Jordan and his family. Uh, I grew up with the kid. Uh... Went to pre-K with them, elementary school, middle school, first couple years of high school. So I, I, I've been around him a little bit, uh, and, I never, and I never thought or dreamed he'd be this good, but he is, and, it, and, it's, and it's crazy to think, and, it, and it's a blessing. So I want to give a round of applause again. Jordan Nora, right? You know, I remember in pre-K, we always used to get in trouble for talking during nap time. I remember that very vividly, right? Uh, this is really in my mind. I, I remember that, and now it's crazy. He's gonna be—he might be in the NBA, NBA caliber player. Just saw a mock draft on NBA Draft Net, and it had him thirty-first pick. So if he ends up getting some good reports, uh, some good feedback, I, I hope he does. He'll declare. If he doesn't, then he'll go back for another year. But really, had a great season. Like I said, seventeen points per game. ACC Most Improved Player of the Year, which is really big. The ACC is the toughest, toughest conference in uh, college basketball, right? You have Louisville. You have Duke. We know how good Duke is with Zion Williams, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish. You have North Carolina. You also have Syracuse. You have Virginia. You have Florida State. You have Virginia Tech. ACC, very good conference, very prestigious conference. So, shout out to Jordan. And also, my friend Noah Taluki used to co-host the show with him, a sports show here at John Carroll on W on uh, TV4, TV4 is on YouTube, it was called What's Your Take, and Noah Taluki, big Michigan fan, big Detroit sports fan, got to talk to him about Michigan State basketball, a little bit of Detroit Lions football, Noah will be coming on the show, he'll be on the podcast, can't wait, I haven't had Noah on in about a year, so it'll be interesting, Noah's a great guy, he's a funny guy, a very interesting guy, we'll have a lot of great stuff to say, but now before we get to Noah, we gotta talk about that man, LeBron James, now this season hasn't gone well for the Lakers, they've only won about 30 something games. 32, I think, to be exact. I think they won 35 last year, right? They had LeBron James. Haven't seen the results. LeBron's asked by the media, what do you think about the roster construction of the Los Angeles Lakers? LeBron says, <sighs> doesn't want to talk about it because he knows it's all. It's funny how things change. When LeBron James had his, 
idea, his vision of going to LA. It was full of lights. There were cameras around him. It was going to be a spectacle for the world. I see for the country. I see for Los Angeles. LeBron James, LA. Hollywood. Movies. Businesses. Branding. Playing for the Lakers. Competing for championships. Winning championships. Competing with the Golden State Warriors. Attracting free agents. Anthony Davis. Kyrie Irving. Kawhi Leonard. Jimmy Butler. Klay Thompson. This was supposed to be LeBron James' third team. This was supposed to be the next chapter of LeBron's career. LeBron envisioned this being his swan song. This being his last chapter. This being a picture-perfect movie in Los Angeles, the city of dreams, with him going out on top. But no, tragedy struck on Christmas Day. LeBron James hurts his groin. LeBron James out for a couple of months. The Lakers season goes down the tubes. Right down the drain. Lonzo Ball's looked upon more points, but Lonzo Ball can't shoot. Kyle Kuzma, more points. Kyle Kuzma's inconsistent scoring the ball and is inefficient. Brandon Ingram, step up. Brandon Ingram just shrank. The Lakers lost game after game after game. LeBron still didn't come back. More heat on Luke Walton, criticism of his rotations. Michael Beasley, Lance Stevenson, JaVale McGee. All coming to Luke Walton, questioning him. Trying to supposedly fight Luke Walton, confronting him. The Lakers were the fourth seed. The fourth seed in the West on Christmas Day. Blowing out the Golden State Warriors. And since then, they're now competing for a lottery spot. They are in the lottery. They're eliminated from the playoffs. Some people are suggesting, should the Lakers tank the rest of the season? Sit LeBron James! and be in the Zion Williams number one overall draft pick sweepstakes. That is the talk in LA. That's the talk in Tinseltown, not can LeBron compete with the Golden State Warriors. It's can the Lakers get Zion Williams. It's funny how things change. Sometimes things end up in ways we could have never, ever expected them to be. But now with LeBron, now with the Lakers, it has become the unexpected. They're a bad basketball team. They have a bunch of immature veterans. Lance Stevenson, Michael Beasley, JaVale McGee. JaVale McGee, the prodigal son of Shaq to the Fool for making dumb basketball mistakes. Michael Beasley, never been known as a team leader. In fact, most people consider him a bust. Lance Stevenson, the biggest thing we know Lance Stevenson for is blowing in people's ears, specifically LeBron James. Rajon Rondo, who's known for, while being a very good player, being a malcontent. Rick Carlisle sent him home in the middle of a playoff series. Young players with flaws. Brandon Ingram. Inconsistent. Kyle Kuzma. Can't shoot the three. And Lonzo Ball. Can't hit a jump shot to save his life. And then we have LeVar Ball. Just throwing matches into the fire. Big baller brand. Supposedly? Issues with Lonzo? 
LeVar Ball, then calling out Magic Johnson saying, Magic Johnson's a figurehead? Jeannie Buss is the real person in control in Los Angeles? It's not Magic? Starting a fire that way. Luke Walton. Does LeBron like Luke Walton? Does LeBron want Luke Walton? Can Magic Johnson actually be a competent GM? What is Magic in LA for? He trades D'Angelo Russell, who's now averaging 20 points per game with the Brooklyn Nets. Made an all-star team. Played in an all-star game. Led Julius Randle walking free agency. Playing very good basketball with the New Orleans Pelicans. Traded away in Ivan Zubak to the Los Angeles Clippers. Crosstown rivals. Crosstown team. And Jerry West, Steve Ballmer, and Doc Rivers are laughing and laughing. The Lakers traded Ivan Zubik to us for Mike Muscala who can't hit a shot? What a fool you are, Magic. What a fool. This, folks, is not what LeBron James envisioned when he left Cleveland, when he left Akron, when he decided to leave Dan Gilbert, when he decided to leave Tristan Thompson, J.R. Smith, Tyrone Liu. This isn't what he expected. This isn't what he envisioned. LeBron James has done nothing but dominate the NBA postseason. He's been to the finals every year since 2011. 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018. That is eight straight years LeBron James has represented the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals, whether it be against the Dallas Mavericks, the San Antonio Spurs, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Golden State Warriors. LeBron's been there. Win, lose, or draw. He's still been there. And now he's sitting at home listening to me talk, listening to other media outlets talk, listening to the noise. LeBron James doesn't have a chance to ignore it and go zero dark 30. You want to know why? LeBron James only goes zero dark 30 when it's postseason time, when it's winning games time, when it's time to elevate your level of play, when it's time to make a postseason run. And unfortunately... LeBron is in a position to do that. Now, cut him next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. I'm going to have Noah Taluki on the show. Cut him next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have a friend, a really good guy, one of the nicest guys I know, a Detroit sports fan at its fullest, Noah Taluki. How you doing, Noah? They're on great. I'm cheering for my Tigers opening day today. It's uh, in Toronto, but uh, I'm still I'm still very excited. I'm all decked out in my my Tiger gear, so it's uh, it's 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 great. It's great to have baseball back and uh, just another sport in Detroit to cheer for. Now, Noah. And say tournament's going on March Madness. I know you picked Michigan State. What was the reason behind that? Besides the fact that you're of well, you know, fan. I'm I'm a big Michigan State basketball fan. Um, you know, I went to high school with Cassius Winston, the starting point guard at Michigan State, um, Big Ten Player of the Year. Uh, but there's a reason. There's a reason I picked Michigan State in my bracket. Um, and that's because this. And I've I watch every Michigan State game. I've watched every game this year. I watched every game last year. 
Uh, there's a big difference really between this team and the team that we've seen of the past with uh, with Tom Izzo, at least in the last, I would say, uh, 10 years. Um, this team is very resilient. Uh, this is a team that will just kill you on the rebounding. And then also they run the floor. They're big men, Xavier Tillman and... Uh, Nick Ward run the floor better than any team in the entire country, in my opinion. And see, when you, when Cassius throws that half court lob pass to uh, Nick Ward, you know, as soon as the other team scores, they're they're already working. They're already trying to go go get points, and and that's when you'll see a lot of those lobs down to Tillman or Ward. Uh, so just running the floor better than any team in the country, I think, and then just really outworking people on the on the rebounding. Um, rebounding is just really something that that I've been very impressed with. Now, your guy, Cassius, you guys went to school together, UFD, mm-hmm. right? Uh, University mm-hmm. of Detroit, Jesuit. Well, what improvements have you seen from Cassius? How's Cassius taking his game to the next level, right? He's Big Ten Player of the Year now. Well, what improvements have you seen from Cassius? Um, you know, he was always a great passer, and, and we, all, we, all, we all knew that. He was a naturally born passer, and he's definitely gotten, I mean, he was always great been great in high school or in at the college level obviously um but really in my opinion i've seen cassius grow the most defensively um you know u of d he was still you know he averaged just over a steal a game at u of d i would say uh at least in that aspect but um i said i even even in high school he wasn't I wouldn't say he was like a, a a very very good defensive player. He had his weaknesses here and there. And then when he got to Michigan State, that was his big uh, deficiency was was the defense. But um, I think I think really just being able to follow his man and and he and I've watched because there's there's plays where I just watch Cassius on the offense or on the excuse me well offense and defense too. Um, and I see I've seen a lot more improvements because he's he's just being able to follow his man. Uh, pick up the switches when necessary, uh, and avoid those pick and rolls that the offense is, is giving him on, on the defensive end. So uh, that that defensive ability has been has been very key. And I and also uh, in his terms of offense, he's gotten a lot better at driving to the basket. Uh, there were times in high school I, I think that he would he would drive, but he would get away with uh, scoring points a lot uh, just because just because the the players weren't as good. But then when he got to the Big Ten. His freshman year, he had to he had to really adjust with um, having you know he got some of his shots blocked back then, but now he he's just almost unstoppable when he drives to the basket because he just shimmies around that point guard that's guarding him, and then he just he just finds ways creative ways to just bounce it off the glass and in when he drives. And I've seen I've seen him just take you know really low shots and then bank one off high off the glass. So uh, I would say definitely he's improved uh, defensively and with uh, driving to the basket. Now, talk about Cash's leadership. You know, I, to me, he is the guy on the team, right? He's the leader. Uh, and not the face of the pro, kind of in a way. Like, he's the guy, you know, he's taking another step. He's a junior now. He's more, has to, I guess has to be more of a vocal guy. He's one of the elder statesmen. How have you seen him? How much of a leader is he? Just talk about his leadership. Guys. Oh, he, he's a huge leader. Um, U of D, you could, you, could see, you could see him as a leader as well. He, he, he's not only a, a God-given passer, he's a God-given leader. Um, just the way he works, the way he practices, um, day in and day out the his routine and all that i think the team really admires that uh and they really and he has that energy you know and, and cassius he's i don't really think he's a uh, too much of a rah-rah guy in terms of that um but i think he's a, more of a quiet leader he's kind of more of a actions than words sort of thing but when he um when michigan state needs somebody to step up he, he's he's willing to step up on that on that vocal end and, and i i i've seen him pick guys up after um 
you know, after they turn it over or, or pick guys up if they do something wrong. And so uh, I think that that uh, in terms of his leadership uh, is, is a lot. And, and also another thing, when he got to Michigan State, he was behind um, arguably, really in my opinion, the, the most emotional leader that Tom Izzo has ever had in Tum Tum, Lou Rawls, Tum Tum Nairn. Um, you know, he really wore his emotions on his sleeve and he was um, obviously not as talented as Cassius in terms of passing and the scoring ability, but he was really the heart of that team, Tum Tum, uh, at the time. And so, and he, uh, Tum Tum was a three-year captain. He he was a captain sophomore through senior year. So Tum or Tum Tum was, yeah, he was a junior when Cassius was a sophomore. Or am I getting that right? No, no, no. He was he was a senior last season. So he was two years two years older than than uh, Cassius, and Cassius I think really learned some of that leadership skills from from just sitting behind Tum 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 for a year, and then Tum Tum last season um, was very very humble, and in letting Cassius um, you know because Cassius became a starter last season, and Tum Tum had to sit back um, and become a bench player instead of that starter that he was used to, um, so I think Tum Tum did a great job with that. And that really rubbed off on Cassius, I think. I think uh, the you know just seeing how how humble uh, Tum Tum could be and just uh, that that presence that he had, I think, really was was uh, was key in Cassius's development as a leader. Now the team that everybody has the favorite in the NCAA tournament, it's Duke. It's the team I picked to win. Uh, what do you see from Duke, and what what type of challenges do you think they represent? Well, <laughs> we got to get past LSU first. Uh, but I think a lot of people think that it will be Duke versus um, Michigan State in the in the Elite Eight, and I'm really hoping it is. I, I actually really want to play Duke um, because it seems as though every time Michigan State plays Duke, it's at the beginning of the season when they haven't really developed as a team yet. So it, 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 we don't Michigan State doesn't play Duke too often in the postseason like this. Um, but obviously, Duke has a lot of has I mean amazing players, and it seems like Mike Shashevsky in the last ten years has really gotten a lot of those one-and-done players. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, Tyus Jones, um, you know, those those guys can really score. Uh, and, uh, and I think R.J. Barrett's a, a, a great, a good shooter, and then Zion just is, is very athletic. They call him the the best prospect since LeBron coming out of the, uh, for the NBA draft. Uh, obviously, it's not official yet, but we all assume he will be out. Um, but, I will. I will be honest, Daryl. I think um, obviously, obviously, every team has weaknesses, and I think Duke's weakness is uh, the sh- obviously shooting the three pointer, um, lowest in the nation, or one of the lowest in the nation. Excuse me, thirty point two percent, I believe, entering the tournament. Um, no team with the, get this stat. No team with that low of a three point percentage has ever made the Final Four. I, I find that very, very interesting. I saw that stat a couple uh, about a week ago. Um, and I did watch that UCF Duke game. <laughs> you know, of course, UCF. Almost, I mean, the basketball gods just were not with them that day. We we could we might not even be talking about Duke if that basket rolled. Yeah, I you told know. UCF choked that game. They should have won. So yeah, you did, Daryl. Uh, um, but I think, and I, I'm not saying Duke's a bad team. I'm not, and I'm I'm not saying that Zion and RJ and all those guys are bad. But I'm I'm just I think, in my opinion, I think the Big Ten is a better overall conference at least this season in the ACC was I think there was a lot more experienced players I think there was a lot better post play uh, in the Big Ten than there is the ACC um, and let's be honest some of RJ and 
Zion and all them their points were just against weaker weaker teams. You know, a lot, and I feel like they weren't as challenged as much as Michigan State has been. And Michigan State, if you're if you're looking at the matchup down low, they have arguably the two best do the 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 best duo of Nick Ward and Xavier Tillman down low in the entire country. I mean, these these I, Tillman's a sophomore, but he's very really really developed since his freshman season last year. Nick Ward, he's played a little bit hurt this a uh, couple games hurt with that hand. He had a a, a fracture. Uh, a hairline fracture in his hand, um, but he's back. He's been back since the Big Ten tournament. had had a nice. Uh, he has a wrap on his right hand there, but um, he seems to be playing very well, even even with the injury uh, that he's had, and even with that hand being taped up. So, uh, I I really think that Zion and all of them are in for a tough test with that Michigan State uh, uh, threat down there. I know Michigan State, they have to clean. I think they really have to clean up the turnovers, though. I know Duke can thrive off of those turnovers. Um, Michigan State, one of their weaknesses, in my opinion, is turning the ball over. Um, they had, I, th- I think, believe 22 turnovers against Minnesota in their second-round game, but they, they uh, you know, obviously did enough to win 70-50. to 50. But um, I really think if we, if Michigan State can bully Zion and company down low, it'll and and Michigan State plays some of the best field goal three point percentage defenses in the country. I think Duke is in for a real test. Now, what's your final four? Um, in one bracket, I had Michigan State. I did have Michigan, and then the other side, I had Villanova, who obviously lost, and then I had North Carolina. I thought Villanova could go on a nice little run since they had experience in the past, but. Totally different team this year. I, I just, uh, I, but I just didn't. I didn't trust Tennessee. I didn't trust uh, Virginia. I just because I just feel like they never do. Nobody trusts really Virginia. Well. No. Right. Exactly. <laughs> no. Well, with the 16 seed, right? Uh, <laughs> Nobody trusts Virginia. And I picked. Well, North Carolina, I think, is the best team in that region by far. Uh, I think they're better than Kentucky. Um, and with the Michigan pick, um, I think Michigan. I, Michigan. I think they peaked in December. I mean, they've lost three times to Michigan State. But I, I just think that they're a better team, and especially in the tournament, than Gonzaga and Texas. They're going to play playing Texas Tech. Gonzaga plays Florida State. I mean, whoever wins that game, I think they're better than. So um, that's why I picked Michigan. And I think, I really hope we could see Michigan, Michigan State part four. I would, I would love to see that. I really would. Now, I do have to ask you this, Noah. So... Why, why do you think that, uh, and I don't know that I want this head, because you're a big time Izzo guy. Now, I'm going to have to ask you this. Mm-hmm. A lot was made, and I know what you're going to say, Noah. The national media. They're always causing up controversy. And I agree with you, by the way, on this story. Getting mad at Tom Izzo because he decided to uh, yell at one of his players because they did not get back on defense. Well, you know, I, I a lot of people approached me about that. Um, Please tell me, Noah, it's not a big deal, right? Please it's not. Me. Okay, thank you, Noah. Thank you. No, here's, here's, okay, here's the reason I think they talked about that. There was no buzzer beaters that day. They had nothing to talk about. They needed something. So they, so they decided to make what, what in my opinion, was a, a very um, little thing and turn it into this uh, a big, big news. Um, of course, Aaron Henry was the player that Tom Izzo was, was yelling at. Um, you know, Aaron Henry is a, is a freshman. And he's played very well throughout the season. He's actually earned his way into a starting starting in the starting lineup. Um, you know, he's very athletic. I believe he's six six uh, forward. He he loves playing in that paint. Um, he loves those floaters. I know he likes he likes putting up those teardrop shots. 
Um, that's that's really his shot. And just when you get when when you get him in the paint, it's almost always over. Um, but apparently Tom Izzo uh, was very upset at um, Aaron Henry's lack of effort. Um, yeah, he wasn't getting back on defense. You know, it's the first. It's the first. It's the first game. He's a freshman. It's the first game of the tournament. He's a freshman. Um, you have to be intense to win these games. Yeah, you, you, your team has to be. And and uh, Izzo's been the coach for 24 years. I've watched Michigan State. I I would say I think my first season I watched him was that '09 season when they made it all the way in the national uh, national championship game. Um, Izzo is a very very fiery coach at times. Um, but you know what the big difference is with Izzo is that he loves his players. He and he loves his players arguably better than any coach in the entire country. I mean, he I guarantee you, Daryl, he was um, put his arm around Aaron Henry after that game, had a one-on-one personal talk with him, and and told him he loved him. You know, you know what I'm saying. So I think that's the big difference with Izzo. He doesn't. He's not. He. It's not like he hates Aaron Henry. You know he he has he has tremendous respect for all of the players that that he coaches. Tough love. Uh, this was just, yeah yeah, but um, you know just for that just for that moment he was just really trying to trying to get intense and, and just really trying to fire up Aaron Henry at that at, at that specific moment. So uh, I mean for for all the Michigan State fans out there, this is nothing new. I mean we've seen this from Izzo many times. Um, so it's I I have no problem. Well, well, I I, well, I had a different, a little bit different take. My take was I thought that a lot of people were talking about it because I think it was a contingent of people that have never really played sports and been around sports, and they're like, "Oh my God, he's a coach. He's yelling at a player." But that happens all the time. Like like that happens all the time. I, like no, I don't know. No, I I've been yelled at at coaches before. Like just to get, like you know what I mean. Like get going. You know what I mean. Like it happens. Yeah, I have too. And, and they're. And there's some people that would say it's good when they yell at you because if they don't yell at you, they don't care about you. Some people would say that. Oh, Izzo cares about his players. I mean, trust me, trust me on that. That's that's, I mean, that's that's why that's why Cash just went there. He 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 knew about Izzo and he loved just that whole atmosphere, that whole culture. I mean, Izzo wouldn't have had all this. He you see all these alum coming back: Denzel Valentine, Gary Harris, uh, Draymond Green. They just. Uh, redid the Michigan State basketball weight room uh, in his honor. I believe he gave over a million dollars to the to the, um, to the the MSU, and they named it a weight room after him. So all these alumni that have played for Tom Izzo are, are all, all come back to games and just always are, are in the locker room, giving, the, giving them talks. Heck, I just learned the other day that there's an alumni locker room for the basketball. So that really is trying to encourage those, those, Michigan, those former Michigan State basketball players to come back. And I think that all really starts with, with Tom Izzo. They, if if Tom Izzo wasn't as caring as some people think, then I don't think these alumni and, and people would be as supportive and, and coming back all the time. So I, I, I think that um, people really do care, and that Tom Izzo really does care about his players and because everybody, a lot, of these, a lot of these guys come back. Now, I want to go back to the NCAA tournament as a whole perspective for a second. Why do you think there's been any Cinderella stories this year? Because there really haven't been. I mean, for, for the most part... All the top teams have advanced. Yeah, um, it, I, I think it was just it was probably clear. I don't I don't have a definitive answer, but I, I think just really the one through four seeds in each region were all pretty, you know, pretty solid. Um, there wasn't really any. Well, besides that, I know Kansas State lost. Um, you know, obviously, well, Wisconsin lost. Um, UC Irvine. Oh no! Yeah, UC Irvine beat Kansas State. Um, 
Oh, no, no, no. New Mexico State, uh, they did not win. I'm sorry. I kept thinking they won. I uh, know Auburn did beat New Mexico State. But really, yeah, you're right, Daryl. There wasn't a whole lot of Cinderella stories. Um, well, to be honest, I, I really don't know. Well, what, what, I have a question. What did you prefer? Because I, I always say this. You know, I probably, personally, I'd rather watch Duke and Michigan State in the Elite Eight than Michigan State and U, UCF. Like, right? Um, okay. Well, I learned this a couple years ago. Um, I love seeing teams get upset. Um, really, I don't care about my bracket at that point. Uh, if if somebody if somebody gets upset, but when it's your team that gets upset, it's it, it's devastating. And I experienced that when when Middle Tennessee beat Michigan State. I was um, very upset. Um, I I couldn't I couldn't handle myself for a little, for for a couple hours. Uh, yeah, a couple hours after the game, I was just in utter disbelief. Um, so I guess when you're just a fan. Because most people, let's face it, most people don't watch college basketball until the the tournament happens, anyways. I mean, I, I, I'm one of the, I'm one, I, in my opinion, I'm one of the few fans that actually watches every you know every Michigan State game. So I, I have a good feel of you know what this team is is about. Um, but a lot of these fans don't. I mean, a lot of these fans just do the brackets and they want to see, you know, and especially when Cinderella's coming up, you're you're at a neutral site for these games. the uh, The crowd is going to get behind the underdog, if especially if they're hanging around. You know, so um, I don't know. Maybe it could just be maybe the focus. Maybe maybe the coaches are aware of, you know, maybe maybe the coaches are just really trying to get their players and the players know. Maybe they grew up watching those upsets as kids, you know, and they say, "I don't want to be that team that gets upset." I'm talking about the higher seeds, uh, but obviously there's a there's a there's a hunger for the for the lower seeds. And to be honest, a lot of the lower seeds were hanging in with the upper seeds, but. Um, I guess the upper seeds just had that more of that drive and determination at the end of the game that just set them apart. I want to talk now. You're a big Detroit Lions fan. I want to talk about the Lions. Didn't have the season you were probably hoping for, but I want to say this now. What do you think about the first year of the Matt Patricia era in Detroit? Um. Well, you know, obviously there could have been some things that could have gone better. Um, you know, this was Matt Patricia's first year. As um, as a head coach, uh, he was a longtime Patriot assistant. I'll just tell you what, Daryl. I know there's a lot of people that do not agree with this whole Lions becoming the next Patriots thing, you know, because they've signed a lot of ex-Patriot players. They've a lot of ex-Patriot coaches. The our general manager Bob Quinn is uh, a former director of scouting for the uh, Patriots. So I think they're trying to get this Patriot way sort of in in uh, with my Lions. Um, I just I, I think it I think it's definitely gonna take more than a year. I don't I don't think I don't think you should judge a coach after I know there are like uh, I believe Steve Wilkes in Arizona got fired after a year, <laughs> but uh, I don't think in my opinion I don't think it's fair to judge a coach after a year. I think you have to have him for at least three or four seasons uh, to really see if he if he's good or not. Um, but at least the moves that Patricia has made this off season with signing Trey Flowers and I really liked I I know Amendola's. Danny Amendola is thirty three, but I really like uh, what he can bring. I mean, he caught like sixty some passes last season, I believe. So I think he could still be valuable in the slot, uh, even though he's an older uh, receiver. And Trey Flowers, we need a defensive end because Ziggy Ansah has been injury prone the last couple of years, and we've had uh, Romeo Quara and Kerry Hyder, two undrafted uh, free agents in the draft, uh, that are that have started at the other defensive end position. So um, I think. Because Matt Patricia brings a defensive approach, obviously, because he was a defensive coordinator for the Patriots. 
um, something that the Lions definitely need to get stronger on. And uh, we, you know, we made moves. Uh, Justin Coleman coming in, he from Seattle, a cornerback. Uh, I don't know who, and we still have the draft. You know, we still have the draft to to, to go. And, um, you know, who knows what we'll do there. Um, and I think also Matt Patricia has done a good job on the offensive end too. I think not only with signing Amendola, but uh, hiring Daryl Bevel as the coordinator because um, the offensive coordinator. He came from Seattle. Uh, Seattle was more of a run. I would say more of a run first team. Uh, when he was there, and, I, and that's really what Matt Patricia wants. We have uh, we have not had a real running game threat since Barry Sanders, and, and that's and that's over 20 years ago now. Um, and Carryon Johnson is supposed to be that guy. He showed a lot of flash last season. He got hurt after I believe t- uh, in the Carolina game, he, and then he was done for the season. Uh, something with his uh, ankle or knee, I can't remember, but um, but. I think that run first mentality with Daryl Bevel uh, establishing that run because a lot of because Matt Patricia and company that I remember them saying, um, you know, or earlier this year uh, that teams that run the ball best are usually the teams that 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 win games at the end. You know that grind time as as I like to call it. You know, so yeah. um, I think I think that they've really made the the right steps as of now, and then we'll see what the draft brings. How do people in Detroit feel about Matt Stafford? Because I was just I was actually reading a report on Bleacher Report that apparently the Miami Dolphins are trying to trade for Stafford uh, early in the year. What's the feeling on Matthew Stafford right now in Detroit? It's a love hate thing. You either you either love Stafford or you're not a fan at all. Um, it's it's pulled the city in, in two for sure. Um, a lot of Stafford supporters, um, a lot of people that just that just think that he can't win. Then there's people that think, oh well, he's great, but he doesn't have the pieces around him. It's been well, it's this is his eleventh season now, so you know, or ten, yeah, eleventh season. So when are we gonna get a you know when are we gonna get somebody that that that'll win games and all that? You know, I, I um, I've always been a Stafford supporter. Um, I always thought that he had talent, um, especially. When he would throw the, I just remember as a kid just watching those highlights, just throwing deep balls at Calvin Johnson, and and I, I always knew he had an arm. I mean, the kid threw I think seventy yard a seventy yarder in like eighth in fourth grade or something like that. So he's I feel like he's always had the talent. Um, maybe it's just I don't know if it's the lack of confidence. Maybe he just I don't know if it's just apathy right now. I mean, because last season was probably his worst season as a full time starter ever, as you know as a lion, and I, I'm not afraid to admit that. Um, it's, at least statistically, he didn't throw for four thousand yards. You know, he like he usually does, and uh, I don't know if that's just the new weapons. With Mar- Marvin Jones was out, Kenny Galladay uh, was out for a couple games, even though he had a, a overall great season when he played. And I don't know if it was just that, or uh, if he just needs more of a uh, instead of just being a one-dimensional team, which like we've been the last ten years, really, with just only really having a passing threat, not really respecting the run. Um, I really don't know. I don't know if part of it was was because we're trying to run the ball more, but um, I I really think Stafford still has something left in the tank. Uh, but I do find that Dolphins trade interesting, though. I think, um, I I mean I, I knew it wouldn't have happened, but it, I just find that interesting that at least the Dolphins offered. Oh, my last question for you, Noah. What would you like to see Detroit do in the draft this year? Um. You know, I, I I really I really want one of those guys from Clemson, uh, the D line. Um, Glenn Farrell, Christian Wilkins. I like Austin Wilkins. Bryan. I like Wilkins and Farrell. I do. Um, I really I would I would like to see one of them because I think we do still need one of those defensive line. I know Ashawn Robinson and um, Deshaun Hand. I believe Deshaun Hand was. 
they said was the best rookie defensive tackle in the league, according to Pro Football Focus or something like that. So I think he has a bright future. Sean, I know they really like. He's a defense. Both those guys from Tackles. Alabama. Um, I would not. I I would love if we got um, Greedy Williams as well, cornerback from LSU. He's a, another shutdown corner. I think we need a um, Slay is 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 def, Darius Slay is definitely a shutdown corner. I've met him before actually. Really really cool. Um, and I we've always had that one that other corner spot that just hasn't been as solid. So and I think that. If we get one of those guys on the other side of the ball, uh, or on on the other side of the of the field, and um, Greedy Williams, that could help out as a uh, as a, another another shutdown corner, so we could have help on the outside more. No, no, I lied. This is actually the last question I'm going to ask you because I just thought about this, Noah. Since you're a famous guy, you're a charismatic guy. Name how many famous people have you met? Just just list off the names <laughs> first, so everybody can know how much in the know this guy. Is. Oh my gosh, I uh, let me think. Well. From a Lions perspective, I go to training camp every year. Uh, I've been the last 10 years down in uh, Allen Park um, at the Lions training facility. I've met I've met guys there. I got a picture with Matt Prater, kicker once. Uh, I met Matt Patricia. I got a picture with Matt Pat- Patricia at a Tiger game last year. Um, he was sitting a couple rows from me. I just went up and said, Mr. Patricia, can I get a quick picture with you? Yeah, sure. Um, I want to meet. I, I have not met Stafford yet. That's, uh, that's some, somebody I'm waiting for. Um, I I told you I met Darius Slay. I met him at a high school basketball game. Um, I've met J.D. Martinez. I've met Miguel Cabrera. I got a picture with him a couple times. I got um, an autograph from Miguel, too. Um, I'm trying to think of other Detroit. Uh, Nick Castellanos I've met a couple times. Uh, one of the Tiger hitters. Um, not too many Red Wings. Oh, Pistons. I was just at the Pistons-Cavs game a couple weeks ago. I met like Luke Kennard, Wayne Ellington, Zaza Pachulia. Couple of those guys. Um, I have a whole. I actually have a whole thing on my phone with uh, all the famous people I've met. met. I met Mitch Trubisky actually um, at a John Carroll football game. So um, I guess those are just those are just a couple. Obviously, I've met Cassius, uh, Tom Izzo. I've met too. So. <laughs> Tim Tebow. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I just forgot about that. Dude. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. Uh, I guess I have met Tim Tebow. I met to a minor one of the minor league baseball games of his uh, when he was down in Akron when he was playing for the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. So, um, you know, I got a nice autograph from him after. One of the greatest athletes I, I've ever had the chance to meet, in my opinion. Um, just his presence was just so real. He just had, a, like, a really quiet southern charm to him, you know, and it was just really very unique. I've, I've never really seen it with any other athletes before that I've encountered, so really interesting. Noah, thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, Daryl. I'm uh, very happy to be on, and uh, we'll see if Michigan State, and we'll see about my Tigers and Lions. So. <laughs> now, coming up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to have Noah Taluki's favorite segment, actually. Crazy, lazy, or maybe. Cut up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk.
Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk. Want to thank again Noah Taluki for coming on the show. I appreciate Noah coming on. Noah always has a lot of interesting, hot sports takes. Really big Detroit fan. Noah's a goofy guy, but I love having Noah on. I got to get Noah on the show more. Always love Noah's opinions. I really do. Before we get to a little crazy, lazy, or maybe, want to give us standings updates and my bracket challenge. JCU Buds, that's the group name. Number one, we have Connell Crayback. Number two, we have Scotty Johnson. Scotty will be coming on the second hour. WCTFM Radio Network on late night in the middleness.com. Uh, 2 p.m. Eastern, right? Second hour, about the middle of the second hour. Scotty will be coming on. Scotty's in second place. Amy Morris is third place. Amy's been talking a lot of junk to me on Snapchat. Kind of has me a little bit pissed off. Randon is in fourth place. Randon's also been talking to me. Randon's my roommate. Randon's been talking a lot of smack to me in person. Oh, God, Daryl, Purdue, look at Purdue, look at Purdue. Because Randon picked Purdue to win the NCAA tournament. Randon, sit down. Purdue's not winning. I'm number five. Number six is Joe Sabic. Number seven is Sean Maroney. Number eighth is Ken Emsch. Number nine is Noah. Noah Taluki's number ninth. Number 10th is Jason Kavari, who sadly was not able to participate because he got locked out and he has a 0.00. So those are the standings. And with that ado, it's time for Crazy, Lazy, or Maybe. Lakers trade rumors. LA inquired about Jimmy Butler before 76ers made deal, according to ESPN's David Miniman. Matthew Johnson and Co. inquired about Jimmy Butler after the four-time All-Star publicly demanded to be traded from the Minnesota Timberwolves last year. Maybe. This did happen, right? LA, they've been star hunting, right? It would have been more low-key than how they publicly uh, auctioned off their young players, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram. And it was going to be more low-key. And Jimmy Butler, I think, is a player that would fit well with LeBron James. Uh, doesn't handle the ball a lot. Is a tough, rugged defender. And is a guy that would hold LeBron James accountable. So I think that would be very good. Scotty Pippen not buying Kevin Durant. Leaving Golden State Warriors amid Knicks rumors. Scotty said, I'm not buying none of this, Pippen said Friday. On the jump regarding Durant joining the Knicks, why would KD even leave? What's the point? Why would you leave Golden State? You're going to be the highest paid player on the team. You're winning. I don't see KD leaving. I think he left OKC to find happiness. He's found happiness. Lazy. Scotty, Pippen, my man, you're looking at this all wrong. Yes, he left OKC to find happiness. But he's not happy in Golden State. He's not happy with everybody keeps saying, you're, you went on the gravy train, you went on the bandwagon, you only, you're only you only doing this LeBron in the NBA Finals because you have Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson helping you. You're a wimp, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant listens to this stuff. He listens to social media. This stuff is eating him alive. This stuff is tearing him apart. Kevin Durant's not the happiest. Plus, Draymond Green called him the B-word and they had a little bit of an issue. Giannis, on why he's not friends with NBA stars, was Kobe? Was Jordan? Giannis Antetokounmpo told Adrian Wojnarowski in an interview released Wednesday, was Kobe Bryant ever close? Was Kevin Durant ever close with the guys he played against or Michael Jordan? Antetokounmpo further clarified his stance. I think it's just being competitive. If I know that I'm going to play against them, I'm going to see them in the playoffs or I'm going to see them in many years to come. I try to stay away and not build that relationship because I know that when I get on the court, I'm going to go 100%. And maybe if you build a relationship with somebody or I'm close with somebody, he probably expects me to go 50% or take it easy on him. But that's, I don't want things holding me back. 
when I go out there and play? Maybe. Giannis has a point. Giannis, I don't want to be friends with you. I don't want to feel sorry for you when I beat you. I don't want to feel, you know, you know, I hope this guy gets over the hump. No, I want to beat you. I want to further my own goals. I want to conquer, conquest, move on, and, and keep pillaging. That's what Giannis is doing, and I love it. Cowboys news. Robert Quinn traded to the Dallas Cowboys by the Dolphins for a six-round pick, according to Ian Rapport of NFL.com. Maybe this is the move the Cowboys need to make. For all of you who don't know, the Cowboys are going through a pretty nasty contract dispute with uh, defensive end Lamarcus, uh, Demarcus Lawrence. And Robert Quinn's a very good defensive end. He can rush the passer. And he allows them to not necessarily be holding to Demarcus Lawrence and have to be like, we have to throw the $100 million contract at Demarcus Lawrence right away. We can be like, hey, Demarcus, we have Robert Quinn here. Robert Quinn can rush the passer. So smart move by Jerry Jones and company. Jerry West, Clippers brass, reportedly laughed at Lakers after Ivic Zubak trade. According to Dave McMiniman of ESPN.com, Clippers consultant Jerry West, a legend as a player and long time one of the game's most savviest front office minds, had a laugh at the Lakers' expense after acquiring the young, intriguing Zubak. Shortly after the trade deadline, Clippers consultant Jerry West, who spent more than 40 years with Lakers as a player, coach, and executive, got together for dinner with old friends who also had former Lakers ties, sources said. He couldn't believe how Zubak fell into his lap. The Clippers... Sources said, never even called the Lakers to inquire about Zubak. The Lakers made the offer and the Clippers gladly accepted. Sources said those at the dinner table shared a hearty laugh at the Lakers' expense. Crazy! What the hell? You trade Ivan Zubak? Ivan Zubak is a very good young promising center. He can pass. He can rebound. He has a nice soft touch. He can post up a little bit. He runs the floor. He was building a rap for Alonzo Ball, your second round draft pick at point guard. Like, I don't understand this. How does Magic come be like, offer, hey, we offer an Ivan Zubak for Mike Muscala. That's a smart move. Of course, Jerry West was laughing because he was like, y'all y'all some some numbnuts. Y'all some dummies. That's what Jerry West was doing. LeVar Ball, big baller brand, bit by a snake, but won't fold amid drama. Although Lonzo Ball has severed ties with the big baller brand and co-founder Alan Foster, LeVar Ball says the company remains strong. I'm not going to let one... Roadie poo guy come in here and do something bad and then be like, oh, the brand's not good. The family patriarch told 98.5 KLUC via TMZ Sports, the brand is good. It's just somebody did something bad to it. We had a snake up in the thing. But you got to understand this. I'm not a snake charmer. When you're a snake charmer, you're going to get bit. Lazy. LaVar. You were a snake charmer because you, you got bet. Your son doesn't mess with the brand anymore. It looks like your other sons, LiAngelo and LaMelo, might not mess with the brand either. You're kind of left hanging by yourself. You did get bet because you trusted a guy that you shouldn't have trusted. And Alonzo now is $1.5 million short. And people don't play with their money. And that's it for crazy, lazy, or maybe. Now, cut him next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. I'm going to... Plead, plead, and ask everybody I'm going to go on a bit of a rant about something that happened in Boston. Because to me, this makes no sense. And I'm going to call out some fans. Kind of next, after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Bring in the heat.
Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk. And, you know, I... And I want to talk about this really quickly. I don't want to spend too much time on this. But, you know, I have to go on a little bit of rant because I'm a little irritated. And I'm just confused, right? You know, reportedly, uh, Celtics fan banned for calling Warriors DeMarcus Cousins N-word for two years, right? Now we can make an argument. Is two years a big enough band? You know, with the whole thing with the Utah Jazz, uh, a couple of Utah Jazz fan incidents. And I'm just like, here's the deal here, folks. Why can't people just come to the basketball game, the football game, the baseball game, the hockey game to do? Well, watch the effing game. Is it that freaking hard? Like, I, you know, maybe I expect the the best out of people, you know, the good in people. I try try to see that. I really do. But I don't understand. I I don't understand why people have to come. And not even N-word. Like, y'all have seen things like say, hey, hope your mom dies. Like, hey, people, I remember people were talking about Derek Fisher when he was shooting uh, free throws when they were playing the Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz fans were making fun of the fact that his, his daughter had eye cancer. Like, why? Why? And somebody says, F you. Like, why? I don't understand it. I've been to many Buffalo Bills games. I, I've been to basketball games. I've been to baseball games. I've never once. I just go to the game, and honestly, I sit down and just watch and cheer. That's all I do. The only time I'll ever say what the f, well, let's say the f word or use profanity is like I'm like what the f just happened? Did they just make that play or something like that. But I'm talking to my friends or people I'm with at the game. I've never, as a player's walking back, say f you, you suck. Why would I do that? Why? That's so tasteless. That's so distasteful. That's just poor. It's porous. Like, and it's it's just it it blows my mind. It blows my mind. I'll tell a quick story. Last year for a journalism class here, John Carroll, I had to uh, cover an event. I decided to cover a basketball game. I was covering uh, the OAC tournament for men's basketball. The OAC tournament was at uh, John Carroll. So, I'm, you know, I'm covering the game. I wasn't sitting in the fan section or the student section or whatever. I was sitting in the, uh, like, the, the parent section or whatever, right? Because it was quieter. And you know what some of, like, the kids were doing on, the, the like, the, the fan section, like, the kids? Uh, and this could be because they were liquored up. I don't know. They were going up and they were as they were doing the little wavy things with their fingers as the one player from the other team was going to inbound the pass on the sideline. And one of them touched the player. Like, they're all in his space, like, yelling, yeah, like, and I'm just like, what? I'm like, it's just stupid. Like, why? And one of them touched touched the player, and the player, uh, and the, play, the guy got kicked out. The guy got kicked out. And I'm just like, okay, what happens if that guy comes around and clocks him in the face? Like, why are you touching me, dude? Like, why? And you want to know what, maybe what needs to happen is, instead of people getting banned, people need to start putting, I don't promote violence, but eventually somebody's going to put their hands on somebody, and it's going to be a very bad incident. Malice in the Palace, right? How did that start? A fan threw a beer on Ron Artest. A beer. Yeah, he went up in the stands and started throwing haymakers. Eventually, you keep tapping, you know, the rattlesnake's cage. You keep you keep tapping that cage. You're going to get bit. You want to wander in the lion's den? You're going to get eaten. Like, there's only so many things you can say to people for their, like, effort. Let me, let me give you some hands. Let me give you some hands. If you want to talk, then be about it. Because a lot of people talk, and, I, and I've realized this, and, I, and I've realized this about people. A lot of people talk. They just talk, you know, for extra effect, for dramatic effect, to make things bigger than they need to be. But they don't talk 
to be serious. They don't talk with intent. But I'm trying to tell you. There's going to be some person out there. You keep talking to them and you keep talking crazy to them, right? And there ain't going to be no maybe. And they ain't going to be lazy when they come with those stands and get and, and clock and clock you inside the hat. Like there ain't going to be no maybe or lazy about it. They're going to come up there quick and there ain't going to be no maybe about it. Trust me. Trust me. And it's the same thing with storming the court. Storming the court's great for colleges, great for high schools. It's awesome. But you know what? As the opposing team's walking off the floor and some fans in their face. And they're yelling stuff at them. And, and people tell me, well, ignore it. Well, you want to know what? You're dealing with kids, if we're talking about high school, all the way from 14 to college. 14 to 24, right? And you're asking them to just ignore it? How about you don't let the situation happen? Because you want to know what? When a fan, after they storm the court, and they start yelling some crazy stuff in somebody's face, after they just lost a heartbroken game, that player, they punch them in the face or push them like, get off me. What is wrong with you? Then all the security comes up and it's going to be a national media story and it's going to transcend sports. It's going to be on CNN, MSNBC, CBS, Fox, the whole deal. On your local Tonight News, Channel 4. Good, good morning, America. Is that what we want? Is that what you want? Is that what fans want? And not all fans are like this. Not all fans are like this. And then here's my next point. People, and I know, people, you know, there, there's a... Contingent people say, you know, they're liquored up. And I know a lot of people come to sporting events just to be liquored up, hang out with the guys, hang out with the girls, have a fun time. But, you know, there are some people that go to sporting events to hang out with their family. When I went to Buffalo Bills games, they had season tickets. I went with my dad to go watch games with my dad. You know, father-son time, that's why we went to the games. When I was younger, me and my parents and my little brother, we went to games, we went to see Cavs games. We drove three hours from Buffalo to Cleveland for a family event, you know, for family fun. You think my you think you think my mom you think my mom and dad you know they brought brought me those places to hear some fan yelling f you at a player. That was not their intention. Sit down, have fun, enjoy the game. That was the whole point. Sit down, have fun, enjoy the game. Like this is crazy, and I don't know where we're going in sports where this is acceptable. Like. It's it's crazy. Like I've never been to a game and thought I need to yell profanity at a, at a player or a coach. I I've just never I've never gone to a game game for that. And maybe I'm different. I don't know. But this is sad. And eventually, like fans can talk on social media and people say awful stuff on social media. Like you should die. Like f you, f your kids, f your family. But when you can start saying that to somebody's face and they can hear it, and you're close enough to where they can get their hands on you, something is eventually going to happen. And I'm trying to tell you, we keep banking on the fact that players will restrain themselves and be the bigger man and be mature. But you want to know what? You know, and I love this. Michelle, Michelle Obama had a quote, you know, when they go low, you go high. You know what? Eventually, somebody going to be like, you know what? When they go low, I'm about to go even lower. <laughs> Hit me in the shin. I'm going to take their legs out from under them. That's what's going to happen. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see that. Now I want to talk a little bit more about this LeVar Ball issue, right? LeVar Ball, Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball is kind of estranged from his father right now. Covered up the big baller. Uh, he had a BBB, a big baller brand tech too. Uh, LeBron saying he can come to Nike. Uh, for all of you who don't know, LeBron, uh, LeVar Ball and uh, both Lonzo Ball, they are having an issue. LeVar Ball's uh, family friend, I guess they're like brothers, uh, stole $1.5 million from Lonzo Ball. He was like a part owner of the company. He goes handling Lonzo's money. 1.5 million disappeared. And as a lot of you out there know, 
doesn't have to be 1.5 million, but 500,000, 2,000, 5,000 disappears, then you're going to start asking questions, especially when it's a friend, brother, sister, it don't matter. You're going to have to cut them off. You're going to have to cut them off. And I always tell you this. So my dad told me. I asked my dad, Dad, can you really lose a friend over money? And my dad looked at me a couple years ago. You know what my dad said? He said, hell yeah, Daryl. You can lose a friend over money. You can lose a friend over money. Watch who you give money to. And I'll say this too. My Gene always told me something. Never give out money. Only give out as much money as you're willing to lose. Because sometimes you just can't trust people. And it's sad. And I also want to give you a quote, right? Not a quote. It's a rap lyric. Listen to Dreams and Nightmares by Meek Mill. And you know what he said in the song? Real gangsters move in silence. And that's from the beginning maybe been the whole problem with LeVar Ball and the Big Baller brand. He's been too loud. He's been too boisterous. He's been too out there. And here's the problem, right? Real gangsters move in silence. When you're trying to get stuff done, you do it from behind the scenes. I know we all talk about LeBron James, the great businessman he is, but you want to know who helps run his business? Because it's not LeBron. LeBron James is a basketball player. He doesn't necessarily have the business acumen. You want to know who helps run his business? Rich Paul, Maverick Carter, Randy Mims, his three childhood friends who he trusts and loves them dearly. Those are who helps him. It's not just LeBron. It's not like LeBron's just some business mastermind. Like LeBron's created this media empire. He's he's created clutch sports. All this is LeBron. No, not all of it's LeBron. LeBron James is the face, but there's people working behind the scenes every day to make sure things run smoothly. Just because you're the one in the front, you're the one talking, it doesn't mean you're the one putting in the real work. You know, you can tell a lot about a person by how much they talk, right? I always say this, when somebody talks a lot, I'm always like, I don't have to worry about them. But when somebody rarely talks, I'm like, okay, what's up with that dude? You want to know why? Because if you talk, you give up your secrets, you give up your ideas. When you're silent, you keep things to yourself. You want to know what there's a really good saying. Real genius, you know what real geniuses, real smart people, you know what they do? They listen more than they talk. They listen more than they talk. LeVar Ball does a lot more talking than he does listening. There's always something you can learn from somebody. There's always a piece of information you can learn from somebody. If there's any, any lesson to take away from how this big baller brand has fallen down, Lonzo Ball leaving, it looks like LiAngelo Ball and LeMelo Ball are now leaving the big baller brand. It also looks like Rona Shelburne uh, covers Los Angeles Lakers for ESPN.com has reported that LeVar Ball has been talked about folding the big baller brand, shutting it down. This is an embarrassment. But you want to know what? LeVar Ball put his kids out there. He put his family business out there. He put everything out there when he decides to do a Facebook show, putting it all out there. Like I said, real gangsters move in silence. Real Gs move in silence. When you really put in the work, we don't hear from you till you finally come up and ascend. LeVar Ball did it all backwards. I want to thank everybody for listening to the podcast. Coming up next, after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we will be entering the radio-only segment on the WCET-FM radio network on late night in the Midlands.com. Gonna have Scotty Johnson on and gonna have a lot of interesting stuff to talk about Scott. But other than that, thank you for listening to this episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.